Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. In this episode, we explore the spiritual dimensions of type four. There is a sense of complete completeness, of fullness, as opposed to being overwhelmed. I look at the situation and let me see if I can respond with some kind of uh, um, creative openness. So hey, Sandra, it's good to be with you. Chris, I'm so happy to continue the series with you. And it's nice to be in Asheville for the first time recording. It is. I love Asheville. It's yeah. a wonderful place. Yeah. And I'm excited that we get to welcome John Amen to uh, the heart of the Enneagram. And he's going to be helping us think about and explore the spiritual aspects of type four. Right. I'm happy to have John. He's a dear friend of mine. Mm. So I want to invite our listeners, uh, as we begin, to uh, open all three of our brains for greater capacity to take in this good information, this uh, exploration that we're going to encounter. So I invite you to be grounded in your body, uh, have an open heart, and get to a curious mind. So, And we want to invite the inner type four in each of us, because each of us has a little four in us, um, and some of us has bigger four than others. (laughs) (laughs) But invite the inner type four in each of us to listen in. So let's take a deep breath. So today, we're going to learn about four and the spiritual path for this type. The holy virtue for type four is a fun word, equanimity. It seems to be coming back uh, into popularity these days. And it's a fun word to kind of define, but really if you think about it as equa, as equal, there is a mental and emotional equalness or balance. So when fours find themselves in equanimity, they really drop into this deep calm, which is their gift to the world. So equanimity, you might correspond to deep calm. And the enlightened spiritual perspective for this type is holy source. Fours seek. They seek, often outside themselves. But when the seeking turns inward, they find, lo and behold, holy source has been there all along, preceding, following, and present in this moment. So they're connected, connected. And in that moment, suffering ends, there is no more longing, and there is simply deep calm into the understanding that I'm connected. So, John, again, I add my welcome to Chris's, and thanks for helping us out today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thank you. So, John is the author of several collections of poetry, uh, his most recent being Strange Theater, which was a finalist for the 2016 Brockman Campbell Award, and his most recent collection is in the book Illusion of an Overwhelm, released by New York Quarterly Books in April of 2017. John founded and continues to edit The Pedestal Magazine. He's been studying the Enneagram for 20 years. He is a certified Enneagram teacher. And he and his wife, Mary, offer workshops uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
Welcome, John. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to begin by uh, reading uh, an excerpt from a poem by Wendell Berry. The poem's entitled uh, uh, Wild Geese, um, not uh, the wild geese we might know, but this is from Wendell Berry. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, invite you just to listen to this and see what comes up for you in, uh, as, as a type four. Geese appear high over us, pass, and the sky closes. Abandon, as in love or sleep, holds them to their way, clear in the ancient faith. What we need is here. And we pray, not for new earth or heaven, but to be quiet in heart and in eye clear. What we need is here. What strikes you? What what draws you? What uh, sort of echoes some of how you understand yourself as four and your growth in, as a four? Um, <clears throat> I think the, the immediate thing is, is uh, the, the uh, possibility of experiencing the moment as full and complete. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, uh, that there's not necessarily a missing as we know, the four sometimes can, can uh, focus on the missing piece. Right. Um, but that there is a fullness, um, and uh, um, it's possible to be engaged in, in that way mm -hmm. with, 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 a, with a fullness. And, and, and I guess also, um, I mean, the geese may be operating instinctively, but, but even for, a, for, for humans, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a natural flow um, mm. that... Uh, you know, I can be part of. Right. Uh, there's an unfolding that I can kind of, mm. it's sort of almost like a Taoist sense of uh, there. There is an unfolding that I can ride. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. You talk about this fullness. Um, I, I'm curious. Is there a time when you can think about you've experienced that, or you you've known that kind of fullness where nothing was missing? Well, I mean, I think it can happen in just everyday moments. I, mean, I don't want to make it as literal as, a, as flipping a switch, but there is a, there is a kind of a choice in it. Mm -hmm. sure. You know, I think there is really, in a, in a sense, it's a very subtle psychological move um, to shift from what needs to happen in order for me to feel complete to actually being in the moment and, and sort of operating from, from there. Right. Um, like an engaged improvisation mm -hmm. as opposed to you know, um, trying to fill some kind of uh, ambiguous lack, right? Uh, which ultimately doesn't get filled. You know, it just sort of perpetuates its own um, presence. Mm -hmm. You know, what what about that switch? I mean, you say it's not quite like a switch, but but what helps you switch? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I think there are practices. I do think like a regular meditation practice, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Um, I, think, I think being mindful, uh, a lot of it is just remembering, I think. Uh, there's a lot around, around not just uh, collapsing into um, a certain mindset, but, but being, being aware, being, being, oh, I'm experiencing that again. Let right. me let that go. Right. Uh, and sometimes it's harder than other times, obviously. Sure. Um, sometimes it can... That can that can occur almost like a riptide, right. where it's very difficult to. But even then, like literally with a riptide, you surrender, it carries you, and then it spits you out. Mm. So I mean, even then, I think it it has its uh, um, 
it doesn't have to go on indefinitely. Right. So I think a lot of it is just is just remembering, pausing, um, and returning to the thing that's at hand. Like, what am I doing right now? Right. And 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 just really um, committing to being um, as present as possible, as engaged as possible mm-hmm. in the moment. And I think those choices can 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 have a kind of cumulative effect. Right. What comes to my mind, John, is I'll give you an example. I don't know if you relate to this, but this is some of what happens to me, which is a good sign for me, is if I, what I call, if I go down the parade of horribles, see, as the type four. So like something happens and I feel shame or I feel whatever, overwhelm. And then I think, oh my God, I'm not really loved. I'm going to get fired from my job. I'm going to not have a home. I'm going to be, you know, I go down that path. And what part of my learning has been, like I can either take that roller coaster down, right, and mm-hmm. go in that path, or I can I can recognize, oh, this is familiar, right? There's something, there's a way that that switch happens in me where I go, oh, this is my pattern. Mm-hmm. So the, those things that I feel aren't true. They might be true in some sense, but mm-hmm. they're not ultimately true. And so it kind of wakes me up mm-hmm. to kind of like, okay, how do I engage differently and not just follow that down? Does that, does yeah. that resonate with I you? I think that talk about the horribles. There's yeah. a kind of, uh, since childhood, there's a humor that is, that kicks in for me. Yeah. I think it's just a, 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 a some sort of pressure release valve yeah. that I've always been grateful for. But at some point, the catastrophizing just strikes me as absurd. <laughs> and there's a laughter <laughs> That, that comes, yes. and, I, and I've always felt very grateful for that. It's not something that I, you know, you, I don't know that you can sort of create that. It's just a, it's a mechanism that somehow has been present and, and has saved my life mm. a, a lot of times. But, um, but I find it more and more often now. There's, there's a humor around my own suffering. That's beautiful. Yeah. And yes. it brings you back to presence, and yeah. you're no longer abandoning yourself through the stories of right. what is wrong with me or what's inadequate. And it's expansive. It's expansive. Suddenly it's like your see, as opposed to this little, there's a, there's a widening, there's a wide lens effect. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I've always felt very uh, grateful for that. And, and I think it, it used to kick in more in, um, you know, it would take longer for it to kick in. Now it seems like it's a little bit more of a part of my day-to-day um, mindset. I think there there is some awareness around how we manufacture so much of our own suffering mm. and that in this that in a sense is the foundation of great comedy it seems to me is that is an awareness of our own foibles and how so much of this craziness is just self-created of course some of it isn't but mm-hmm. but in my life most of it is right and I, I think part of the four pattern is we I think it's probably true for all types, but there's a particular way that fours create our own suffering, right? Yes. And you and you named it, Sandra, as we abandon ourselves. Yeah. Abandon like our ourselves. deepest fear, right, is to be abandoned. But we end up abandoning ourselves. We participate in our own sense of loss, right? right. And that whole thing of, of uh, trying to assert some kind of individuality and have that mirrored. Mm-hmm. Like, if I do this, then you'll mirror it, which gives me what I want temporarily. I want to talk a little bit about um, equanimity. We talk about the virtue of the type four is equanimity, and, and Sandra gave a great mm-hmm. description of, of that. Um, uh, how does that 
how does that show up in your life or what allows that virtue to arise for you? And you may have mm-hmm. hit on this a little bit, but mm-hmm. part of what I'm also wondering is if you have a story where that might have might have happened, something, you know, an experience. For me, equanimity is somehow, again, it's like a kind of um, uh, um, an engagement, a full engagement. I mean, it's actually not always calm mm-hmm. uh, for me, but but there is a sense of complete completeness, okay. of fullness, um, of... Uh, what I would say is, is this, what, what is a real indicator for me is, uh, as opposed to being overwhelmed, I look at the situation as a creative opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like right now we're getting ready to move. There's a bunch of things going on. And, and again, it's sort of a choice. I mean, it, it could be overwhelming or it, or it can kind of be, um, well, here's, here's what life is presenting. And let me see if I can respond with some kind of uh, um, creative openness. In a way, that would be equanimity yeah. for me. Um, and, and it could be quite intense. I mean, actually, a lot of times, equanimity is very enlivening mm-hmm. for me. It's not necessarily... It can be calm. I mean, there, I guess there's an underlying calm, uh, but, but the bodily sensation is not necessarily like meditative. Right. It would be more enlivened. It's more adrenalized. But and I'm wondering, John, if the enlivening might actually be enlivening downward mm-hmm. into more presence, hmm. into more of a body. I am more in my body. Mm-hmm. I've landed, and so the enlivening takes you deeper. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? That be I, I would yeah. I, I what immediately comes to mind is it's probably omnidirectional. Okay. You know, I think mm-hmm. it probably, it, it definitely is grounding. Um, it definitely is more in, in, in the body. Um, yeah. And, I, but I think there's also, for me, there's, there is an outwardness, a mm-hmm. mo- a, um, outward movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's not coming from, from envy. Right. Uh, whereas a lot of outward movement from envy is sort of, it's sort of like some kind of, um, again, trying to engineer, um, what would I say? Like the restoration of my individuality. Mm. That's how envy oh, operates perfect. for me. It's like I'm trying to restore my individuality. Right. Whereas uh, in equanimity, it's, it's much more, um, there's a freedom. So in equanimity, what is ordinary? Well, I guess I wouldn't be using that language at that mm-hmm. point. Yes. You know, the term ordinary in itself almost becomes problematic for four. Or I it think. fades. It fades in equanimity. Cat- categories yeah. fade. Yeah, I think so. Well, you, and you named freedom comes in equanimity. Can you talk about what's, the, what's that freedom like? I just think there's possibilities. Um, and uh, and, and uh, <clears throat> in fullness, there's not a kind of... Uh, I'm not backed into a corner trying to... Um, Again, you know, restore something or reestablish my right. individuality or sell you, mm. which is kind of why I say PR campaign. Because, I mean, as a relational type, unfortunately, a lot of times the, the relational element is around trying to get a mirroring. Right. If, if I convince you on some level that I'm an individual, then the relationship is successful. Right. You know, yeah. um, whether, whether, whether that's true or not, if I sense that, then I've gotten my hit. Yeah. Um, but all that goes out the window when I'm in a more um, grounded, uh, 
place and, mm -hmm. and, and there is a kind of equanimity and um, then I think relationships are more fueled by curiosity um, and, and just kind of a sense of adventure. Mm. What's going to happen in our conversation and right. our interaction? Mm. Um, there's not some kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say that like, like fours are relationally strategic necessarily, but at the mm. same time, there's, a, there's <laughs> we, an underlying, we can be. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, there's a subtext. Right. There's like a sub-strategy. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like a relational sub-strategy there. Um, and but, when you're in equanimity, which is really a, a gateway into this enlightened spiritual perspective, which for you is this original or holy uh -huh. source, you know the connection's already there. Yeah. And there's no grasping for it. Yeah. And so then the genuine self arises because the connection is there. Right. No need to perform. I mean, then it really is sort of improvisation in the, in the grander sense. Like if you listen to some of the great jazz albums, <laughs> improv jazz albums, yes. that's what I would equate that to. Mm, that's a nice metaphor. You know, like a kind of blue or something like that. It's sort of, um, you know, there, there, there is just an unfolding that, that happens and it's, it's not necessarily self-propelled. And that's really the moment, rather than exiling yourself with envy, you're really home. Mm -hmm. The grateful heart emerges mm -hmm. because all that you've longed for is already here. Mm -hmm. All grasping ceases. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of, I like to say, the switch from longing to belonging. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's I good. I love that. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, that's sort of like wanting to belong and not want, and, and at the same time, sort of founding an identity on not belonging. That's right. Right. You know? Um, right. But again, I think, yeah, all that can just kind of not be so relevant, you know, at some, at, at some point. So in that place, is it okay to belong? Does belonging mean you lose your individuality? Let me say this. I yeah. want to follow up with that question. But the what came up for me, is, as you said that, was the image was resting in belonging, which for mm. me is like there's a way in which there's a relaxation. I don't know if this is true for you, but for me, there's a rest. If I know I belong... It's like all this other stuff kind of just, I can just relax, yeah. rest. Well, and then it, also it's like, well, what is it I belong to? Well, I, I belong to life. It's, it's, it's not necessarily that I belong to this group or that group. Right. Um, but there's a sense of that, that, that I'm part of life mm -hmm. and I'm part of this unfolding that is happening at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, and at that point it's not as relevant whether I you know, belong to this relationship or to this, to this, uh, social group. Or right. Do I feel like an outsider or all that? I think kind of is yeah. not the, as pressing. Right. The categories, again, they fade. Uh -huh. There are no categories. And so we're living in a non-dual world yeah. at that point, which is the beauty of these, these gateways. Some about um, you've used the image of life, belonging to life, and the idea of source. I'm wondering if there are um, healing images of the divine for you, like what what the divine is like, and how you understand that, and what healing images might ha you have for that. It's a, it's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. I do. I um, 
I actually do pray and I do, uh, I don't know to what. Um, mm. I don't know that I have healing images per se, um, but on some, on some level, I guess I, f I have some feeling that, um, it's almost like in the 12 steps where they talk about good orderly direction. Mm -hmm. Somehow that makes sense to me. Um, I don't know though. I do. I don't. I guess I do feel some kind of connection to life, to the universe, to some cosmic spirit or energy. Mm -hmm. uh, although I, I, I don't know that that has anything to do with any agenda or anything like that. Right. You know. Um, but there is just some kind of feeling that there is, there is a source to tap into from which uh, some kind of strength comes, some sense of direction, um, and some sense of, of uh, being able to unfold in a way that's greater than how I conceive of myself. Yes. And part of that self-conception for four can involve some sense of being inadequate. Mm -hmm. But again, that fades here. It's not even a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this connection to source brings life. Yeah, connection. I think so, and just and just possibilities, yeah. um, you know, creative possibilities, and. Um, so you've mentioned uh, that you use prayer and meditation and humor. Mm -hmm. Are there other practices, John, that you engage to land in your body more fully to get to equanimity and source? Well, I think just pausing in the moment can help. Mm -hmm. um, if if I feel like I'm getting sort of hijacked by um, some kind of destructive way of thinking or whatever. Um, but again, I guess that's just a mindfulness practice mm -hmm. um, because the whole thing is remembering. It's not the the, yes. the switch is not actually so hard. It's the remembering, you know. Uh, and not just kind of like coming to three days later, like, oh, my God, what have mm. I been doing for three days? Yeah. So it's like slowing the pace so that you can catch that pause. And without that, yeah. we're kind of running ahead of our hearts, really. And again, I don't know. I, I do think somehow that practice is relevant, but I think there's a lot, of, a lot to just be grateful for. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these are, um, a lot of this is blessing, I think. Is, is you know, gratitude a, a practice? Would you I'd call that a practice? I'd say it's a practice, yeah. That'd yeah. be a practice. Yeah. Perf that's, perfect that's probably practice. good. Yeah. 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 It's, I think it's great for a four because we, because we are sort of our habits can be yes. looking for what's not there, right? Very much. So, but being able to say, wow, what I have in this moment, I'm grateful. It, it mm -hmm. grounds us in the present and it, 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 it accesses that energy of. Yeah, it's very true. Because I, I do think there's a part of, of a four that's counter great encounter that <laughs> like even even here talking about it there's something it's interesting when we when we articulate it there's something that strikes me as kind of saccharine about it mm. you mm -hmm. know or like kind of just ooh, a little you know <laughs> so but but it is it's true it is to return to that it's very important right yeah. and it's more than the the common understanding you hear the phrase an attitude of gratitude yeah that's not what we're talking about right. here and i like to use the word gratefulness uh -huh. and in working with fours it's often nice to just ask about yourself for what are you grateful mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. and then what's it like to simply sit in a posture of gratefulness without being grateful for yes that's very very and good. that gets us out of the head that's and great. right into the heart not and having an I, object right of yeah no object right, right. 
but sitting in a vat of gratefulness. Oh, that's a beautiful image, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. If, if there's kind of a, a kind of a atmosphere of gratitude, then everything kind of is part of that. Yes. But yeah, like, like, I guess sometimes working with an object of gratitude can get me to that, to the mm. place you're mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Although when I'm when I'm resistant, I, you know, like it's, I used to have a practice with a with a um, a friend of mine where we would exchange gratitude emails, mm. which was kind of interesting. Although we both said when when we were not in that space, it was so difficult to to be specifically grateful, mm-hmm. um, you know. But then at some point, the the overall sense of gratitude returns, or can be remembered, right? Um, and then it's not so difficult. But just to you know. I'm grateful for my house. I'm great. I mean, some of that can become very, I, 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 you no. know, it can be di- well. It can be helpful, but it can be it can be difficult too. I think it can be helpful. I mean, you say no, but I, I think yeah. I think there is something about a discipline and a practice of naming the things yeah. that I'm grateful for that begins to cultivate yes. that vat of gratefulness. I think so. So, so as, I think both are really important. As long as we don't stop there. Sure. I mean, right. it can be a starter for us. It's a starter. But right. then it gets rote. So if I can name something about me today, just this morning, for which I'm grateful, and the more specific I get, the deeper I go. That's right. Yeah. Well, and the thing, too, is that, I mean, all these things are going to disappear, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're all temporary. Um, And that's okay to be grateful for temporary things. One of the gifts of fours, I mean, here I sit with two fours, so how lucky am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that you teach us really how to be human. And in this conversation, John, one of the things I've so appreciated is that we can talk about the, the sad or the parade of horribles, as you said, Chris, but you've also named ways that you're enlivened. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so you've got this both and. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just been a beautiful thing to hear you speak mm. to. Thank you. And yeah. I, think, I think that that kind of enlivenedness is part of the growth. So one of my yes. other questions is, is, John, as you understand it, what, what might be a way that you're being invited to grow spiritually at this point in your life? Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think uh, uh, continued flexibility. When I feel that, that no just screaming inside me, I've got to work with that. Mm. Um, you know. Is the no attached to individuation or being the individuator? It could be, uh, but it can also just be that uh, if I say yes to this, it's it's somehow going to be overwhelming. Mm. Um, it's going to mm. take over my life. Yep. What's really important to me will just be consumed in this yep. in this kind of uh, um, I don't know if it'd be man- not necessarily minutia, but but maybe. Um, like for example, we're, we're we're as I said, we're moving. So there's all sorts of logistical things that that come up, and a big thing for me is trying to balance how to do this in a way that is that is somewhat true to my style, but at the same time where I'm flexible, mm-hmm. and I'm also you know my uh, wife may have different ideas about uh, well, she does have different ideas <laughs> about some things, and and. Uh, so how do I, how do I navigate that with some degree of balance and equanimity mm-hmm. uh, to where I'm 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 saying yes uh, f- for the most part, at least in in some ways, right. you know. Um, 
Yeah. And, and you're naming the place that you want to grow spiritually in some place right here, right now. Yeah. It's not in the future, but it's what you're experiencing in your life right now in this move. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. in itself is, is beautiful because you're staying right here saying, ah, I need flexibility now. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Yeah. John, so appreciate you teaching us and taking into the depths of type four mm. in this podcast. Yeah. Speaking of gratitude and gratefulness, we're yes. gra- grateful for this oh, time I'm with you. Grateful too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And so we're going to close with a prayer for type four. So we invite all of our listeners to just be in a posture of prayer, whatever that is for you. Weaver of beauty. Thank you for seeking me for never stopping seeking me. Open me to the intimate connection between us that I may rest in your grace. Empty me of all the ways I abandon myself, the self-rejections that evoke shame. Soften my comparing mind that I may know gratefulness for what I have, for who I am. Guide me in the path of appreciation for the beauty and possibility that surround me, that is within me. Sacred source of my life, ground me in my equanimity and remind me of the holy and beautiful in the ordinary. Open my eyes and heart to see your great grace-filled touch in all of life. From this scene, I know there really are no ordinary moments, for all is sacred. With heartfelt gratitude, I'm Sandra. And I'm Chris. And we invite you to continue to look courageously and lovingly at what is. We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity, for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris, who composed our theme music, and for Toby Becker, who provided graphic design. Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner, who provided recording space, and to the narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests. We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com, to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.